You're listening to Hidden History, and I'm your host, Ellis Tucci. This week's show is brought to you by Bulletin Technologies. Would you rather drive for eight hours or fly for three? Would you rather have your flight delayed three times or none at all? Would you rather drive an hour and a half to the airport or ten minutes? Would you rather pay a small fortune for flights or pennies on the dollar? The folks at Bulletin Technologies think they know your answers to those very questions, so head on over to www.bulletinflights.com and see for yourself the future of flight. In 2013, it was estimated that in the entire world, but mainly concentrated in the thick jungles of Central Africa, South America, and New Guinea, there numbered 100 tribes that were classified as uncontacted peoples, isolated groups that either voluntarily through self-isolation or coincidentally have never come into considerable contact with modern global civilizations. Over three quarters of a century ago, before the rapid globalization that has made the modern world, there were clusters of technologically primitive tribes in the South Pacific that were perfectly content to stay that way. And that was all about to change. This is Hidden History. You're listening to Episode 10 in John We Trust. Following Pearl Harbor, the Japanese had swept far into the Pacific, occupying islands as far south as New Guinea. That was 1942. Thereafter, we recaptured them one by one until our next conquest would bring us within striking distance of the Philippines and Japan itself. Less than 1,600 miles from Tokyo lie the Marianas, 15 volcanic islands, including Guam, Rota, Tinian, and Saipan. Saipan, the Marianas' administrative center, was our first objective, to be invaded June 15, 1944. On the 22nd of February, carrier planes of Task Force 58 took off for the softening up attacks on Saipan's defenses, as well as those of Tinian, Rota, and Guam. Our first wave of planes caught the Japs off guard. It got 70 of their aircraft on the ground. attempts of Japanese planes to attack the carriers and warships of Task Force 58 ended in failure because we were ready for them. We destroyed no less than 141 planes, their entire attacking force. Plane after plane was shot down and set ablaze until these costly adventures of the Japanese Air Force completely collapsed. was part of a newsreel-type film put together by the United States government in 1949 to highlight, among other things, the United States military's strategy of island hopping during the Pacific Campaign. Eventually, the United States' dogged pursuit of Japanese-occupied territory would lead them to island chains in Melanesia, a subregion of Oceania that encompasses New Guinea, the Solomon Islands, Fiji, New Caledonia, Santa Cruz, and, most importantly for this episode, the tiny volcanic archipelago of Vanuatu. For the span of a few years in the mid-1940s, 
American servicemen with their planes, jeeps, medicine, manufactured clothes, electronics, and Coca-Cola, in other words, with their comparatively vast material wealth, descended on Vanuatu in numbers totaling hundreds of thousands, bringing their wealth with them. Before the Americans had come the Japanese. The islanders of Vanuatu were watching the largest mechanized war in history being carried out by the most technologically advanced nations in the world unfurl directly on their doorstep. Naturally, life changed for them. Scores of native islanders were given access to goods and services that drastically improved their way of life, and given that many of these people had not had extensive contact with the rest of the globe, they weren't exactly sure how these foreign nations had showered such great wealth upon their little islands. But then one day, the war was over. The hundreds of thousands of American soldiers, with their planes and jeeps and medicine, their manufactured clothes, their Coca-Cola, simply left. They abandoned their piers and air bases and took everything back across the Pacific. Planes stopped airdropping cargo, and the new standard of life to which the islanders had come to know was gone in an instant. And so it was that the so-called big men of the islands became powerful religious leaders, promising to give unto the people a vast material wealth like that of the foreign armies. The goods, the cargo, would be sent as gifts from the islanders' ancestors, just as they believed had been done with the occupying armies. And so, in order to produce the same results as American servicemen, the participants of these groups, called cargo cults, began to act like American servicemen. They would hold parades dressed in uniform while carrying mock wooden rifles, carve electronic equipment from wood and use them in fake airstrip control towers, build piers and clear runways in the jungle, light up lighthouses and send landing signals with a series of torches, some would even create life-sized replicas of aircraft out of wood and straw in attempts to attract more. And while these religious practitioners held American soldiers in high regard for their ability to attract massive amounts of cargo, there was one alone, a mythic, lionized figure, that they worshipped and continued to worship as their god. His name is John Frum. The name of this deity is thought to be a corruption of John from America. He's depicted as an American service member, sometimes black, sometimes white, in a bright white navy uniform, who promises to bring wealth, prosperity, and, most important of all, cargo, to all who follow him. In an interview with the BBC, movement leader Chief Isaac Juan Nikiao said that John Fromm is, quote, our God, our Jesus. The John Frum movement still exists today, and every year on February 15th, six days ago at time of recording, they celebrate John Frum Day with great pomp and circumstance. More than just a religious movement, John Frum is also a political party, and currently holds one of the 52 seats in the Parliament of Vanuatu. I hope you've enjoyed this week's shorter episode. Researching and finding topics for the show is always a lot of fun. Look for new episodes live on air and on soundcloud.com slash hiddenhistoryshow. This is Ellis Tucci at Hidden History, signing off. <laughs>